If you are still sitting here, that means you're not in one of those grades. And I encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. We're going to look at a number of verses, at least nine of them, but uh, this is one that's going to get us started in that direction. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. This morning we are going to look at a subject that you might go, is that biblical? Because I've entitled it Critical Thinking. The whole idea for this sermon came from a number of weeks ago when uh, Dave, John, and I were doing a presentation on critical theory, critical race theory. And Dave made the mention that uh, for the past 30, 40 years, our young people and us as a whole have not been taught how to think but what to think. There's a huge difference between those two things. I put it this way. God created you with a brain and he expects you to use it. God is a personal being who has intelligence and thinks. We are created in his image and we were created to think. When somebody just simply tells you what to say, that's kind of like brainwashing or you don't have to think, we'll tell you what to think. We want you to think for yourself. Biblically, yes. But you need to process what is going on around you. If you don't, you will blindly go along with whatever is happening. So this morning, the whole idea is that we're going to look at the biblical concepts of critical thinking. There are at least nine words in the Bible that have to do with critical thinking. There are more than that, but this sermon is long enough to start with, and so when I got to nine, I just quit. Um, I thought about getting one more, but uh, there are other places... God makes it very clear. I will be using illustrations today. Here's what you need to know. I am not telling you what to think. Because I will give illustrations possibly, all depends how much time I have, about politics, about COVID, about vaccines, about you name anything that's been going on in the world. I may change as I go. I'm not telling you what to think. All I'm telling you is you need to critically think, analyze, evaluate whatever the issue is and come to a valid, firm judgment, conclusion, or opinion. It will be logical, rational, and it will be reasonable. Here's what you need to know about reasonable. Is you and I can look at the same situation and we can come to legitimate valid, different conclusions without trying to take each other's head off. That's hard because aren't we all Christians? Shouldn't we all think exactly alike? The answer is no. We will definitely think. Now, if it is a biblical principle or a biblical fact, this book has proven that it is reliable information. The Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago wrote, and nothing that he said has been found to be not true. Moses wrote long before that, and what he wrote has not been found to be untrue. So when it comes to the Bible, we absolutely don't have to question this. But almost everything else in life, 
We need to look at it and we need to gather valid information from all kinds of sources. I'm not going to go into that long, but I just want you to know that if you think I'm telling you how to think about a certain subject, you're absolutely wrong. Uh, That is not my point. My point is, have you thought it through, and are you consistent in your thinking on that subject? And you know what? Yours might be slightly different than mine. That's it. If we're talking about who Jesus Christ is or how you get saved, (laughs) that's all, because we have one source. It's the Bible. But all the, all the rest of the things uh, in this world, we need to do this. And this past year, I will tell you, nobody is an expert in COVID. Nobody. You know why? Because not a single person that's alive today went through anything exactly like this before. You only become an expert because you have experience. Five years from now, we might look back on this year and go, what the world were we thinking? Or we should have done more. I don't know what we'll think five years from now, but we will have experience and we might be a little bit more expert. I don't care if you're Dr. Fauci or you're the pastor or, you know, some doctor or it's you. We don't have all the information, but we need to collect that information, and we need to come to logical, rational, reasonable conclusions. And so, reasonable people can disagree on many things. So, the definition is critical thinking, objective analysis and evaluation of an issue so that you come to a firm, consistent conclusion in your own head. Okay? And you're able to defend that. So what is the biblical basis? I'm going to go very quickly. You're at this verse right now. The first thing you need to do, and my conclusion is going to end with this. Listened, listened, listened. Because if you talk before you have listened, you know what's going to happen. It's a folly and a shame. You're going to be doing things that are foolish, and it's going to bring shame to you because you're going to realize, I didn't listen to what was going on. I made a conclusion, and now I have to change it kind of egg on your own face, you know, and you're the one that did it. But it says, he who gives an answer before he hears, it's folly and a shame to him. We need to have that ability to attentively listen to what is going on around us and to pay attention, close attention to what you hear. I have said this before when I preach on, say, abortion. When I do a sermon like that and I want to make some point that's not necessarily a biblical point, but what's happening in the world, I look at all kinds of websites. I almost always look at Planned Parenthood. I disagree with just about everything they stand for. You know why I I look on their website? Because they're contradictory as all get out. uh, Because they'll say, well, it's not really a baby. Abortion really isn't killing a baby. And then they'll turn around and call an unborn baby a baby. Yeah, that's what they do. But when you look at that, I can now say, no, they're not consistent in what they say. And I can do that. That's why during COVID, Peter and I spent countless hours. fact is, I wish I could have taken all those hours and just studied the Bible. But people would say things, and we had to look it up, find out, is what they're telling us true? Or is it their opinion? Or is that one person's opinion and nobody can back it up? Man, it, it is just a lot of work 
it requires a lot of resources to be able to do that. So, so we, first of all, you have to listen. And the sources, basically from wherever. Check alternatives. Um, you need to carefully consider what is going on around you. The second thing is that the naive, I'm sorry, this is Proverbs 14, 15, and you'll notice I have a few from Proverbs because it's very practical. Proverbs 14, 15 says, the naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. A naive person is someone who's gullible. You know the saying, right? If it's on Google, if it's on email, or it's a post on Facebook, you got it's true. You got to believe it. Man, I have seen so many people getting so many bad answers and so many bad inputs over this past year that it's it, it's just impossible to to even expound on all of them. But it's like, well, somebody said it, so I just naively believe it. Well, that's not true because they may have. A bent. They may have a prejudice. They may have an axe to grind. I don't know that, but I have to check it out. And I don't use anything as a sermon illustration unless I've checked it out at least two or three different places from different sources. Because a lot of times you say, oh, I saw it written three places, and it all comes from the same place. It's just somebody repeating it. Got to be really careful about that. But uh, the naive... He is so open-minded, his brains will fall out. That's the way I like to say it. Is, you know what, whatever comes along, I'm just, take it and go with it. You're going to find out that you are not being sensible and you're not considering your steps. Because let's face it, a step is something you do. You speak it or you do it with your hands or an action, but it should be solidified in your mind first. And so, uh, naive is not where you want to be need to check out the alternatives. I kind of got ahead of myself there. But Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. Solomon was the kind of guy that did everything wrong in the beginning of his life. He knew better, but he, he decided he is going to try out everything. Wine, women, song. He had anything he wanted. He could do anything he wanted to do. There was nothing basically stopping. Riches could be. He had just everything. And then he realized, and he wrote it in this book, in the end, all of that is vanity. It's futile. It's empty. It comes to nothing. And then he wrote, so we don't have to go through the same mess he did. See, you don't have to experience some of this stuff firsthand. You can say, no others have been there. And he said, I directed my mind to know to investigate, that's the word we're looking at, and to seek wisdom and an explanation and to know the evil of folly and the foolishness of madness. And of all people in the world, God, he's considered the wisest man who ever lived, but he was, when he started, the most foolish of all of them. And he said, I investigated, and now I know, remember your creator from the days of your youth. That's how he ends this book. He says, don't do what I did. Seek God first from the beginning. And so we need to check out the alternatives. He did. He did it for us. We don't have to do that on our own. 
Going to the New Testament, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, a verse I use over and over again in counseling people, but you need to think through what you hear. That requires time. It requires work. Yes, thinking is work. It really is. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or good reputation, if there's anything of excellence and worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That's our word. My illustration of the word dwell in some versions of Scripture use the word meditate. Good, good way to, to uh, translate it. But meditate is basically what a cow does. It's a little bit gross if you didn't grow up on a farm. But a cow eats grass in big chunks or hay or whatever they're eating. They have one great big stomach. It's about this big. And they fill that thing up. And in the afternoon, they lay down in the pasture in the shade someplace and they regurgitate what they've eaten in a ball about this big. It's called the cud. And they chew the cud over and over again. They just sit there. You know, remember your parents say you're chewing your gum like a cow? Well, that's exactly what they were talking about. And they chew that until it becomes usable. They swallow it. It goes into the second stomach and then gets used up the way it's supposed to. Well, guess what? When you get information, he says, Take that information and make sure you mull it over. Meditate on it. Dwell on it. Get to know what it says. If you don't, you're going to make decisions that aren't logical, rational, or reasonable. It won't be critical thinking because critical thinking requires work. You're going to get tired of me saying that. But, but it's just the truth. You need to be sensible with the information that God has given us. In Proverbs thirteen sixteen, it says, Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. Now, prudent is not a synonym for wise, but it's real close. We're going to see another one of those coming up. But it's re- not real close. But the opposite of a wise person or a prudent person is a fool. That's, you see it here in this verse. But a prudent person is one who acts sensibly with the information that they have been given, and they use it rightfully with insight. The word that could be used here, shrewd. Now, a lot of times we think of the word shrewd as somebody who's conniving and doing something bad and trying to get away with something. can be used that way. But in the positive, it is somebody who takes information and says, no, this is what it means, this is what it doesn't mean, this is what it means, this is what it doesn't mean. You tear it apart, and you, you, you just get into the nitty-gritties of it to be able to use it. Every prudent man, every shrewd man acts with knowledge. Got to have good facts. Got to have good information if you're going to have a good decision. Got to think it through uh, in your head before you do anything. A lot of times people say, well, the Bible says we're not supposed to judge others. You're absolutely right. That's exactly what it says. Don't judge other people. You don't judge their motives. You don't judge their attitudes. That's not up for us to do. That's God's job. We don't judge. We're not judgmental. But that's not what this is talking about. The word discern means actually to make a decision or to make a judgment. That's what it actually means. And in Proverbs chapter uh, 5, verse 14, 
But solid food is for the mature. Somebody that's grown up. Somebody who has an idea of what's going on in their head. Who, because of practice, critical thinking, does not come automatically. It is a discipline of the mind. You're going to see that in a moment also again. But they have their senses trained. Practice, training, notice that? To discern good and evil. That is not automatic. That is why all parents know. You go, I've told you a million times not to do this because of this. Every, every parent has exaggerated. At least I think they have. You know, I've told you a million times don't do that. Well, you, you go, are you ever going to get it? Are you ever going to mature and start thinking for yourself? Are you ever going to use your brain or do I have to tell you everything to do? I'm putting my hand up because I've done that and my dad did that to me. So, you know, I understand it. But he says, no, you have to pass judgment. Not everything is equal. There are some things that are good and there are some things that are evil. You need to make a distinction between the two. It is also, and I told you we're going to see another. It says, for God has not given us the spirit of timidity. Many versions use the word fear. It is not the word for fear that's normally found in the Bible. But it is pretty much a synonym with fear. It's, you know, timid is, I'm I'm afraid to move forward. Right? That's a timid person. They're not just cautious. They're just afraid to go forward. He said, but that's not what God gave you. God gave you power. That is God's kind of power. It's miraculous power. That's the word that's used there. It's, the English word is dynamite, something that they thought was miraculous when it came, and they named it dynamite. And love. Think about this. If you think, oh, well, love isn't that kind of thing that God gave. No, love is really that tough because he says, love your enemies. Love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you got neighbors that aren't all that lovable. Some of you have enemies that you really rather not love. But you need to. Because God gave you the ability to do that. And then he gave you one more thing. The ability to have a sound mind or a self-disciplined mind. That's what the last word there is. It's to discipline the mind. To be control of your mind. Think about that. That's not easy. It's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to just say, oh, well, that's what I heard and and without dealing with it. No, God says, I have given you the ability to have power and love and a sound mind, a mind that thinks things through, a mind that knows what they believe and knows how to process that. So it's the ability to be uh, sensible and using your mind in a solid way. In Isaiah 118, you saw the verses up here earlier in the between two stanzas of the song, dealing with Isaiah 53. This is the beginning of Isaiah. And Isaiah does something in his book. He does a lot of things, a big book. But he starts out saying, you know what? You're in really bad shape. Your sins are as scarlet. They can be white as snow. They're red like crimson. They can be white like wool. And later on, he says, there's only one way to do that. And that's through the one who has taken your sin. The one who was punished and took your punishment for you. The one who is able to give you peace. 
all of the other things that Christ has done for us. But when he starts out, he says, I'm going to challenge you to think. I want you to prove to yourself, I want you to prove the point to yourself that if you have sin, you can't get rid of it on your own. But there is someone who's dealt with it for you. I got to tell you, I believe God made blood red on purpose. And he made us to react to red in a very unique way. This winter, some of you know, you've seen the picture. I was clearing snow at one of our apartments. I was using a skid loader, and I was going full tilt. I was almost done, and I decided to go a different direction than I had been going, and I hit a manhole cover that was sticking up this far. And when it hit, everything stopped except my head. My head went flying straight into the windshield wiper motor. It put me a big cut here, busted my nose up. Uh, it didn't break it, but I, it was bleeding. I'm bleeding all down my coveralls. The bottom of the skid loader is covered with blood. I'm bleeding like crazy. You know what? <laughs> I took my coveralls home. A neighbor, neighbor lady came out. Uh, the, the military had showed her first aid. She came out and took care of me. Very nice lady. Uh, anyway, she bandaged me up, and I went home. My wife looked at me, and I said, I had my coveralls rolled up by that time. I said, don't even look at them, because she doesn't deal with blood very well. I said, don't even look at my coveralls. Just take them and put them in the washing machine and wash them. Don't even want to look at them, because they were covered with blood. You know what? I go the next day to, to get the skid loader to finish. You could see every place I walked, blood drops. <laughs> every place I went, because I was bleeding that much. The point is, blood shows up. You know, and it catches our attention. He says, prove a point. Someone has to deal with the blood, with the sin. Just like you have to deal with blood. You have to deal with. And in this case, what the Bible is talking about, only the blood of a perfect sacrifice can deal with our blood red sin. That's it. He said, and that's reasonable thinking. And that's biblical. There's no way to get around that one. That one doesn't have a whole lot of debate. One last one. I kind of tried to put these in a little bit of an order, but they all overlap. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, it says this, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. Kids do stuff just because they want to do it. That's why we have to tell don't eat too much candy. Don't run into the street. You know, all of those things that we tell our children over and over and over again. Well, hopefully, when you're an adult, somebody doesn't have to say, don't run across the street without looking. Somebody doesn't say, uh, eat a balanced diet or whatever it happens to be. We do, in our thinking, we are to mature. And maturity is, doesn't just happen on its own. It is made as we make one choice after the other in our lives. And so each one of these things contributes to the whole idea that we need to use the facilities that God has given us for our good and really for the good of those around us and for our spiritual life. So we're going to look at a number of negatives going to finish with the positives. So we're going to look at the errors that we have when it comes to thinking. The first one is the antidotal error. And remember, when I use these illustrations, I'm not telling you what to think. I'm telling you how to think. 
I know people that have died from COVID, and I know people that had COVID, and they, they had a headache for two days, just a minimal headache for two days. I know people in the same family that one person landed in the hospital, two of them were almost in the hospital, and two of them had a headache. Well, guess what? Any one of those could say, this is what COVID is. You get COVID, you're living in the hospital. Or you get COVID. That's antidotal. That's my experience. Nothing wrong with your experience, but your experience is not the proof of the end. That's not critical thinking. That is part of the solution. So if I'm doing critical thinking, I can say it can be really, really bad or it could be not so bad at all. And some people never get it. You could do all of those. But personal experience is not a final proof. You need firsthand information. Nothing wrong with it. Gather all that you can. And I've done that. Firsthand information. Here's the reliable. This is the one that we go to. Because, yes, does it have antidotal information in? You better believe it does. We just looked at Solomon. You know, he said, hey, this is what my life was like. But uh, we need to see that that personal experience that one person has doesn't settle an issue. That's not critical thinking. Can you take it as a part of your critical thinking? Absolutely. Yeah, this happened or this didn't happen to me or someone else. The second one is the appeal to authority. This is the one. I'm not, a doc- I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. And then they go on to tell you what you should do. It's like, what are you, you kidding? Just because this person's a celebrity and famous or they're, they're an actor or they're a sports celebrity or whatever, they use them in advertisement because they want you to think, well, so-and-so said this, so that must be true. You know, and that, that's, that's the final. It's uncritical allegiance. Now, they may be telling you what is true. What they say might be true. But it's not a final authority. You need to have more than that. Make sure that the person doesn't have an agenda. Their agenda might be they're getting paid big bucks to say it. You know, I, I don't know what it is. But we need to understand that just because somebody is rich, famous, or known, or, you know, a public figure, doesn't mean they know more, and their account means more than someone else. You just need to be really, really careful about that. Um, and you can take that as part of it, but it's not the whole of it. Number three, the false dilemma set up. This is that you see there's only two opposing sides to something, and they're mutually exclusive. You have to say yes or no, black or white, left or right, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is, that there's only two possible solutions. And uh, that's an oversimplification of the situation. One I saw on the Internet, you, you may have seen it because it was all around probably... I don't know, six months ago, I'm going to guess. It said something like this, and it may, I may not be quoting, I'm not trying to quote, but it said, if I get the vaccine, will the government guarantee that I won't die? No. If I get the vaccine, uh, do I have to still wear a mask? Uh, yes. Or, anyway, it was, it was reversed, so it said yes. Does the government guarantee if I get the vaccine that I won't get COVID? No. And then at the bottom it says, 
why would you get a vaccine? Now, I'm not telling you to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine. That's not my point. But the point is, that was loaded questions. Because the government couldn't ever tell you you won't die, and they couldn't tell you you wouldn't have a bad reaction. That was another one. You know, they couldn't tell you any of those things because they don't have the capability of doing that. But the way it was phrased, you come out with a no. And then at the bottom it said, well, then why would you get a vaccine? Thing is, that was not critical thinking. That was loaded questions that had an answer to them. And you could flip that around and go the other way. I've seen those too. But that's just the one that came to mind while I was working on this. But don't oversimplify an argument. Because sometimes arguments and points and thinking has a lot that needs to go into it. The next one is the slippery slope argument. Not all slopes are slippery. There are slippery slopes. That if you start in one direction, you're going to go downhill. That's the whole thing. It's like, you know, tobogganing or skiing or whatever. You start at the top of the hill, you're going to the bottom. Well, not all things work that way. Because sometimes people say, well, if that happens, you know, this is what's going to happen. And this will definitely be the end result of this. For example, probably eight or nine months ago, somebody sent me a long email that said, uh, in California, they banned singing in church. And you better beware, Pastor, because it's coming to Pennsylvania. Well, what am I going to do? Hopefully, I'm a good example of critical thinking. So what do we do? We went to California. No, we didn't go to California. But what we did do, Peter and I, we got on the California government website, and we looked. We we spent way too much time on this stuff. But you know what? If I'm going to give someone an answer, I better know what I'm talking about. And so we finally found it. It didn't say what this person said at all. It simply said to, it was one of those government governor things, is um, we, we encourage you to consider not singing in church. Well, that's way different than saying you're not allowed to sing in church. But the whole thing was, well, if they're doing that in California, which they never did, as far as I know, maybe they did later, I don't know. But you know what? Never came to Pennsylvania. But that was the insinuation. It's a slippery slope. If it happened in California is going to happen in Pennsylvania. Could have it? Of course it could have. When you, deal, when you get to that point, then you deal with it. But that was a slippery slope argument, that if this starts here, the automatic is there. That is skipping all the appropriate thought patterns that need to go in and keeping touch with what is actually going on. The next one, name-calling. Or a put-down. Here's what it comes down to. You've heard them this year. That person is acting like Hitler. They're a bunch of Nazis. The moment you do that kind of thing, you have cut off all productive communication. You know why? Because you've totally overstated your case, and you have discounted anything that person says. Now, are there some elements in that? Sure. Remember, critical thinking is reasonable. It looks at all information, processes it. That's what you have to do. You may come to a little bit different conclusion than I did. 
That's okay. But we're not going to fight about it because I have seen people, friends have dis, disowned their friends. Family split down the middle because of this stuff. You know what? It's crazy because what happens is communication stops and in essence, you're judging the other person's motives, intentions, and their heart. And uh, that's just a really bad place to be. That is not a part of critical thinking. i got to need to move on. The next one is the bad and wagon. Just because it's the thing to do right now, it's a popular thing to do right now, that must be good. Well, we all know that some popular things are good. But 51% of the people are not necessarily right. We live in a country, and a lot of people say, if I ask you what our, our government is, most people say we're a democracy. We are not. We're a republic. We're a rule of law. Now, we have voting, and that's democracy. But we have rule of law. Guess what? The church is not a democracy. The church is also a republic because it's rule of law. Think about that. So... The bandwagon, so every, it becomes popular, so I guess that's the way we should be thinking. No. By the way, the bandwagon may be right. It may be right, or it might be partially right. We just don't know. But you have to critically think it through. And just because it's popular doesn't mean it's right. Tradition. We ain't never done it that way before. You know, something's new we got to get rid of it. We can't go there. Or it's new and the old is really bad. No, none of those are true. You evaluate everything for what it is. Some old things are tried and true and they don't change. Some things are just old and they really needed to change. But we don't make assumptions that just because it's always been that way, it continues. I have a saying, anytime I assume something, I can assume I will be wrong. You think about that. Notice I didn't say think it through or think critically of it. Just I assume something. I can assume I'm going to be wrong and I'm going to have egg in my face. There is the causation error. Similar is not the same. Just because some things look a lot alike does not mean they're the same. They may be vastly different, even though on the outside they look the same. And we need to make sure that a person might have some viewpoints that we really don't like at all. And we kind of just X that person out. Anything they say, we don't even think about it. Because, well, everything they say is going to be tainted by this. No, they might be totally right in some area. And they may be very helpful to you to listen to them. Again, two ears, one mouth, one brain. Listen twice. We're going to get to that here in a few minutes again. But just because somebody says one thing wrong doesn't mean everything they say is wrong. And then there's the middle ground. Well, if, if this is over here and this is over here, a compromise in the middle is the way to go. And the compromise will be the right thing. There's a place for compromise but not when it comes to critical thinking. Because guess what? The difference between flying and walking is falling. That's the middle ground, okay? You're not flying nor walking. 
It's middle ground. Well, it doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense in life because some things are absolutely true and absolutely false. Some are evil and some are, you know, wonderful. It works that way, but neither one of them is true. And then there's the moving decision. I found this with cultists in particular, where every time you try to pin them down, they move the, the, the goalposts. They move the, the, what they're saying, and they, they, you know, trying to pin them down is just about impossible. By the way, that happens in COVID. That happens in politics. It happens in life in general. It just simply does because somebody realize they get caught in their inconsistent thinking. Somebody points out what they're not thinking correctly, and, well, you know, and then they change the subject. You know what? That's not critical thinking either. And then there's the, gener- uh, the hasty generalizations. Uh, this one here should be an Olympic sport. Over the past year, it absolutely should have been. Because I heard this news report, or this person told me this, or this, this Google thing was this, or whatever, and I jumped to a conclusion. That's not critical thinking. When you jump to conclusions, you're liable to jump off a cliff somewhere. But, and, and the thing is, the first thing you hear is not always right or not always wrong. And the last thing you hear is not always right and not always wrong. It requires work. It requires diligence. It requires meditating, mauling it over, as we said. Conclusions, really quickly. Listened, 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 then listened some more to sources and views and people. Do not be blinded. That's what the Amish do to their horses. They go down the road so they don't get distracted. All they can see is what's in front of them. No, if you're a Christian, you should be mature enough and open enough that you look around and find out what's going on and so you can evaluate it. That's critical thinking. And then you can come to a decision that you can stand by. Number two, If you cannot reword what the person has said to you and say it back to them and get them to agree, you don't even understand their argument. Here's what it goes. The person says this. If if you repeat it back like a tape player, that's not what I'm talking about. But if they say, I believe this, this, and this, you you have to be able to turn around and say, so you are saying this is true, this is true, and this is true. Is Is that correct? If they say yes... You now understand it. Why? Because you could rephrase it, rephrase it in your own words, and they agreed, and you got it. It's communication 101. Words are tools. Do not be afraid to ask somebody what a word means. One of the people that no longer with us, Bob Breon, had the biggest vocabulary of any person I have ever met. And uh, he would, in an elder board meeting or in a conversation, he would use a word. I'm like, I don't know what that word is. I didn't feel stupid or, or uh, foolish or anything. I'd say, Bob, what does that word mean? He always knew what it meant. You know what? I learned a new word, and now I understand what saying. Please, if you hear something and you're not sure of what it means, ask. Because you might be disagreeing or agreeing with something you don't even agree or disagree with. And the second one that kind of follows with that is if you don't understand something, ask questions. Not accusations, just simply ask questions. You know, hey, why, why do you believe that? What, what is your basis for that? 
You know what? It'll help you. You'll be able to have a reasonable, logical, rational conclusion in your own mind. You will become a critical thinker. And um, just a couple more. You're consistent. There's nothing worse than somebody that one day with one group of people, they're saying one thing in the other place. You've you got a divided mind. That is not a good place to be. Fact is, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you don't know what you believe. You're not consistent, and nobody else does either. So be consistent. If you don't know something, admit it. Like, I don't know. Be willing to keep studying. And the second one goes right, or the last one goes right with it. If you don't know, if somebody challenges you on a point of your uh, conclusion... And you're not, you're like, I didn't think about that. Admit it. Say, I didn't think about it. Don't try to fudge it and, you know, give some answer that you're going to regret. Say, you know what? Man, you raise a good question. I'll get back with you. And then go find out. You might find out that they raised a question that you should have been thinking about all along. Or you might come back and say, no, I was right all along. But the point is, think, think, think. God gave you a brain. Use it. Use it wisely, discerningly, and be able to come to solid, consistent conclusions. Reasonable people can disagree and still be reasonable. Makes us different. Believe me, I could get in an argument with any single one of you, by the way, I used to do that, so I, I try not to do it anymore. But I could get in an argument within five minutes of anybody in this auditorium. I could say something, and you would go, you've got to be kidding, you know, and we'd get in an argument. I choose not to do that. Why? Because that's not part of critical thinking. Critical thinking says I can state my case, and I can stand by it, and I can listen to you and not get mad at you. Let's all stand together as we close. Father... The subject is one that gets right down to the center of who we are and how we operate and how we process the things that come into our lives. I thank you that you are the one that gave us this ability. You didn't make us puppets or puppets or robots, but you made us people with the ability to think and the ability to process and the ability to have a firm conclusion. Thank you for that. And thank you that we, from the Word of God, can have some very firm conclusions that we can reach the world with the truth that they too could know Christ as their Savior and heaven as their home and a life worth living. Lord, thanks so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Go with God.